worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. All right, everybody. Uh, we are back again for another uh, episode of our podcast, Demand Excellence. And today um, I have Coach Mark Hodge. He's the coach. He coaches in South Carolina. Uh, he's a state champion uh, football coach. And uh, Mark, you're my first out-of-state uh, guy or out-of-state high school football coach on my podcast. So I appreciate you doing it. Uh, and for the listener, uh, could you take the listener through your your uh, your road as a football coach, like where you started, where where you started after college, and kind of how you got to where you are right now? Yeah, man, I appreciate you having me. It means a lot. Um, I I never really thought I was going to be a football coach. I thought I was going to be a chemical engineer, and um, I was going to go to Clemson, and 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 life interrupted, and God interrupted, and had other plans, and. Um, I actually quit college. I went to Presbyterian and quit. And in the meantime, actually was a substitute teacher. And that got me uh, interested in, you know, coaching. And I actually played uh, baseball at USC Upstate. Um, and then from there, got into uh, coaching football and baseball at Broome High School. Was there for seven years. Um, was fortunate to uh, be a part of a state championship team there. Um, left Broome, went to Spartanburg High School, um, was there for four years, um, left Spartanburg and became the head coach at Carolina High School um, in Greenville and was there for three years. And we just finished our seventh year here at Chapman and um, was really blessed at, at, at Broome and Spartanburg to work for some great coaches. You know, Bill Owens, a phenomenal Christian man, actually got to work with Shane Williamson, who's now the president of FCA. Um, we were on staff together there. Um, got to work with Joe Winger, Doc Davis at Spartan High, and then got to work with uh, Freddie Brown at Spartan High. So I really got to work for some really, really great coaches um, before I was, you know, blessed to be able to start this uh, experiment myself. Yeah. Well, um, talk a little bit about being there at Chapman, because I think that was your first year. Uh, I mean, this is your first stint as a head coach, right, Chapman High School? Um, well, I actually went to – um, Carolina first as a head coach and that was uh it was really good for me um, because it was a program that hadn't had any success at all um, we didn't have any budget whatsoever um, for the football program so we kind of really did get to experiment I had a few guys that uh, um, went with me and you know there, there are things that you do and you're not sure why you do them it's just because that's what you learned as you started right we figured out there are things that you have to do and then we figured out things that we we thought that you didn't have to do that technology and and planning and other things uh allowed you to do it differently so it was cool because we got to kind of experiment with football in a in a position that wasn't overly demanding and didn't have a lot of expectations and um it was, it was the best thing i ever did honestly well so you go from carolina and you go to chapman high school and you know i know for me because I, I play football in south i grew up in south carolina played football in South Carolina. I had never heard of Chapman High School. Uh, so uh, that doesn't mean much. It just means back in the 90s and early 2000s, they, they weren't on the football scene. Uh, but now, uh, since you've been there, um, you, you got, you've turned them into a winner. So talk about going to Chapman High School and the things that you had to do to turn them into a winner um, to a state championship caliber football team. Yeah, Chapman is in, in the northern part of Spartanburg County. Um, it's been traditionally a two-way school, and it's been, you know, pretty good, um, you know, decent football over the years. They had, you know, four or five um, different 10, I mean, 10 to 12-plus win seasons, played for upper state championship a couple of times, and actually played for one state championship uh, about six years before I got here. Um, so there was enough enough tradition enough uh um you know we're in that football area Spartanburg of seeing good you know quality football around and being played that bringing the vision in wasn't um something that they hadn't seen 
Um, so that helped a little bit. The previous coach before me, Coach Farmer, had done a good job. They were they were good offensively. Um, you know, they struggled a little bit defensively. Um, so there had been some successes, and, and you know, the community had tasted some some good years in football. So I think that really helped. But I was able to uh, bring in the right coaches. Um, we ended up having some really good football players at the same time. The the administration bought in and really supported what we were trying to do. Um, and so it was just kind of a perfect storm to actually get the, the program started. Um, and then since then, they've done a great job of, of truly buying into to what we're doing. You know, the trust factor is great right here. Um, and I think a lot of that, too, is we were having to teach. We were having to teach those that didn't know what we were trying to do and how we were trying to do it. And then and through that, we actually got the buy-in we needed. And, you know, um, now through great kids and great coaches, we're, we're you know, pretty uh, uh, successful program year in, year out right now. Um, so uh, I, I know that you've won one state championship for sure. Uh, speak to your success there. I know you don't want to brag on yourself, but uh, speak to your success there of, you know, how many times that you've been to the semifinals and finals and, and state champions there in your seven years there. Yeah, our, our second year, we actually got beat in the upper state championship against Daniel, and I blew a call, honestly. Um, <laughs> I changed the call our defensive coordinator made because we felt like we knew what they were going to do. It was right there at the end of the game. We took the lead with, you know, 50 seconds to go, and we have them in third down, and we know they're going to sprint out. And um, he kind of had a safe call, and I said, well, they're going to sprint out. Let's, let's send a blitz and roll the coverage. Well, in my stupidity, I took uh, – the best player on the field, Debo Samuel, out of the middle of the field and actually rolled him into a curl zone. And they they sprinted out. And we ran right into it. The quarterback just kind of flung the ball deep down the middle of the field. And they have a, a big 6'5 kid go up one of a, over our sophomore kids. And uh, I still randomly have nightmares over that call because we'd have left Debo in the middle of the field. We'd have probably played for another state championship. Um but that was the year that they figured out that they could win. Um, and to be honest, I'm not sure they knew that they could win it going into the game, but coming out of the game is when they really believed that, hey, we can do this. Um, had a little down year the following year. Um, started a plethora of, of uh, sophomores the year after that. I think we won eight or nine games. Um, and then the following year, we won the state championship. Um, the year after that, everybody was returning. We were 14 and 0. Go into the state championship game. Our quarterback separates his shoulder in the second series. We get down 21 nothing, and actually tied up at halftime. Um, and, and firmly believe we're going to win the game. Um, we come out after halftime, and um, Colton, our quarterback, he he just looked at it and said, "I can't pick my arm up." So that uh, it went from air coming out of the raft to from a you know just a little to uh, an explosion when we turned the ball over and just momentum just blew us up. So we ended up 14-1 and that year. Yeah. Uh, and then everybody graduated that year. And this past year, we weren't sure how we were going to be and uh, ended up being 12-1 and um, and lost by one uh, pretty much in, at the very end of the ball game. So, you know, we had the ball with the opportunity to win it. We just didn't make plays. So, and now we have 20 starters returning. So we, have, we feel like we're going to have another opportunity this year as well. And you guys are 3A or 4A in South Carolina? We are 3A. We are right at 900 kids. Um, we try to play as many 4A and 5A teams as possible, whether it be in the summer and Jamboree's regular season. So we try to put our kids uh, against the best that we possibly can. You know, our goal is to make sure by the time they hit the playoffs um, that, you know, they've seen better or, you know, than they actually will in the playoffs. Um. All right, so you, you you talk about you know your 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 road there and 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 the road of success that you've had or run of success that you've had there at Chat at Chapman High School. Now think about who you were as a football as a head football coach at Carolina High School and who you are now. What are some core principles and philosophy that you have now that kind of you've evolved with? And this is kind of who you are as a football coach. Could you tell us some of those things? Yeah, for sure. Um, who I am now really started when I got to work with 
with Bill Owens and Shane Williams. And I learned then that you could be passionate and you could be a Christian and you could coach the game um, as God would want it to be coached. Um, you know, and then got to work for Coach Davis and, and, and saw how consistent and simple he was just in the the day-to-day operations of the program. And so going into Carolina, I was, you know, obviously – naive and inexperienced and, and, and made a lot of mistakes, honestly. You know, I wish I could go back and coach um, that team again, knowing what I know now. They were uh, – and there's three kids that played in the NFL off, off one of those teams. Um, <laughs> but, we, yeah, you know, we, we, we went to the third round and got beat by – we fumbled with like 30 seconds to go on the 10-yard line and lost by two. And uh, that was the first time like 25 years that they'd gone to that far. Um, but if I knew what I knew now, I think we would have had a chance to go even further. Um, right. You know, I learned a lot about relationships, um, you know, and, and, and expectations. Uh, to be honest, our whole program, everything we do um, really dissolves around not being average. Um, we, we tell the kids, biblically speaking, the only time average is almost ever mentioned in the Bible is lukewarm, and that makes God puke. Um so we don't want to do anything average in the classroom to the to the practice field to the weight room. Everything is we constantly are talking about not being average and then iron sharpening iron on top of that. Um, and I've learned a lot the last few years of what that actually means, what grace and mercy and, and expectation, because we have super high expectations, but we charge the coaches to make sure that you provide the support structures there as well. And, I think Coach Sweeney does a great job of this. I think what he has done, spiritually speaking, is is he makes the players better people, and we try to do the same thing because we feel like with a with a better material, you end up with a better product, and we feel like that you just got to attack, you know, attack the heart and soul of the, of the children and and even the adults and the coaches and myself, and just try to make them understand that. Uh, you know, the God that we actually believe in does miraculous things with just average, ordinary people. But too many people don't don't strive to do that. So we're constantly pushing them to, uh, you know, dare to do something that you know you can on your own. Absolutely. You know, um, and speaking of that, you know, kind of kind of led me to a question, which I wanted to ask you. Sometimes I have a lot of high school football coaches that coach in public school. They'll ask me. You know, because I wrote a book called Demand Excellence, and it's about being a Christian football coach. But it is easier for me to be a Christian football coach at a Christian school. I, I can be unfiltered. Jesus Christ. I, I mean, I can, you know, uh, you know, if, if a kid is, you know, having sex with his girlfriend or, or doing drugs, it's, I can bring Jesus into the equation instantly without any hesitation. How do you, so here's the question they ask is how do I do this in a public school? Well, I can't answer that question because I don't know. How do you build men uh, for Jesus Christ and, and, and make, make your players better? Better material equals better products is what I wrote down. And obviously, uh, Jesus Christ is your foundation there. How do you do that in a public school and still keep your job? Well, the one thing that you can do, a couple of things. One is, is we use FCA a lot. You know, the FCA is student-led, and they sponsor a lot of things that we do. So we, we're able to bring the gospel to the team um, through SDA-based uh, um, events. Um, now, we also – those aren't, aren't mandatory. You know, any time that we do something – spiritually based the kids can opt out or we'll give them something else you know we've got a big summer camp coming up here at school where it is sponsored by fca where we'll have some spiritual moments you know spiritual movies some other things where we also have a secular based uh, teaching or secular based movie that if the kid wants to opt out they can um that's how we do some things within the system but then me specifically is is I believe people are just who they are. You know, I can't be me without talking about my faith. Now I don't force it upon anybody or make them do anything. But when when I'm sharing what I believe and when I'm sharing my expectations of myself and my family or, or um, you know people that that I deal with, it's it just comes out of it. You know, th- these are the principles that that I base my life upon. And so when speaking about myself, it gives me 
you know, an easy platform to talk about why I believe and why I do what I do. And then when people ask, well, how did you establish your vision and your purpose? Well, this is how and why. So being truthful, but at the same time, you're not, you know, you're, you're not really force feeding on anybody. It's a, and I just, I don't know. I think people have gotten afraid to, to be who they are. And I think people have gotten afraid to understand who they work for. Um, you know, no way trying to to cause commotion or whatever. I believe God has put me here for this moment, for this time, and he's prepared me for such. And I feel like I've got to honor him by, you know, recognizing the fact that he's done such. Um, and if if it doesn't work out, then that means he's got somewhere else for me to go and something else for me to do. So I find, you know, solace and comfort in that. Yeah, there's no question. And, and, and you know, um, your your faithfulness uh, is is uh, in, well. I guess it's uh, it's encouraging, but it's also a challenge uh, to all of us. Because because I'll be honest with you, you know, I, I'm no different than a public school guy. Because I had written that book and I felt God call call me to publish it, but I was not I was not publishing it for the longest time because I'm like, man, if I publish this book, there's no way I'll get a job at a public school or be able to coach in college because right. it's way too Christian, right? It's all about Jesus Christ. And then I just felt the conviction of the Holy spirit. He who denies me before man, I will deny before my father. And I was like, Oh, well, I better be living for the next life and not this life. <laughs> and, um, exactly. yep. and, and I think that's, that's where, you know, um, high school coaches that coach in public school who are Christians, they have to, you know, you have, like you said, you have to be who you are. And, and, and when God has transformed you and he has saved your soul, you're a new creature in Jesus Christ. And you have to trust that God will take care of you. And I mean, you can't get up there and, you know, you, you have to do, do right, but you know, you can't deny uh, Jesus Christ and, and, and stop setting that example. So, but Bill Owens, you said was, you coached with him and now he's an FCA guy. Is he a guy you lean on heavily? Um, with your with your players i do when i have times uh you know spiritual moments where i'm not exactly sure what to do or i just feel like i've not empowered god to do the things that he wants to do then you know he's a great resource to to go back and um you know speak life back into me and and, and help me hit my reset button um i've got a couple other guys too that have been you know real fortunate through the fda here to relationships and other christian coaches i mean there's a fair amount of christian coaches in this area that, that are not afraid to just be who they are and i think we've i think most of the guys that i deal with in my area that they understand that there's times we don't have an answer you know we, we want to have an answer for these kids and, and be able to guide them and there's just times i don't have an answer you know and those are the times that i just have to tell the the children and coaches and and myself like look i i don't know and i hadn't lived it what we're trying is not working um there's only one thing that i truly believe believe can change a man and, and that's relationship with christ so if you haven't tried it i mean that's just kind of where we are now and uh um, we, we've seen kids and coaches both uh, you know explore it from there but and that's where i struggle too you know I, I'm in a mentoring group right now. We're doing radical mentoring with a group of actual coaches from this area um, with our pastor. And there's times that I'm not sure whether to leave things alone or if God's put me in this position right now because he wants me to address it. And you know, just trying to make sure that you're, you're faithful to, to the calling and, and not just necessarily always using what gifts he's given you to go do it by yourself, but making sure that you're doing whatever you're doing with him and alongside him because that's what he wants you to be doing. And what I think is cool is like, you know, talking with you is, is you know, you can just sense and, and tell that your number one goal is to, is to glorify God and uh, what you do in your profession. Um, and then I love how you're successful. You know, like people think that, you know, you got to go out there and, and, and cuss your players out and use bad language and act like a fool, you know, if you're going to get these players to play at a high level. But people don't – like, you can be very, very intense without being demeaning and derogatory and using poor language and setting a great example for your players and still win. Speak to that a little bit. 
Yeah, no doubt. You know, I think a lot of that comes from just being transparent and being vulnerable. You know, it's relational based, really. You know, football is one of the, the few remaining places in this country where you can take all races, you can take all socioeconomic statuses, you can take all kind of different beliefs and merge them together for a common goal. Um, and But the teams that do that the best are the ones that I think have the best relationships. And we try to make sure that, that we're transparent with the players. Like, as we try to hold the players accountable, we give them the authority to hold us accountable too. Um, you know, remind them daily that, that I, I'm a center. Like, I, I jack it up constantly. And I even tell them what my vices are. You know, these are the things that I struggle with. And I need you to know that. So if you ever just need somebody to pray for, pray for me. And if you ever see me slipping, um, then part of the iron sharpening iron principle is you're supposed to call me out. If I get over the top or get too extreme or too intense or um, making the game more important than the player and the coach, then it's just your job to call me out. And um, and I think by living that way and, and talking to them, it, 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 it kind of forces you to grow. I mean, you speak it and you walk it, and I think God convicts you to try to live it. So that it helps grow us as coaches as well. Um, and then cool thing in my life, uh, you know, the blessings God's given me is I did a lot of really dumb, stupid things growing up. I get tickled sometimes when teachers come to tell me, oh, you ain't going to believe what he did. Well, I immediately go back to some really dangerous, dumb things I did in my life. And then most of the time it's trivial, so I kind of giggle on the inside. I'm like, yes, ma'am, or yes, sir, I'll, I'll make sure I address it. Um, <laughs> so, but God's blessed me to – and when we tell them, say, look, man, a lot of times we're telling you not to do things. It's because on this staff somebody has, has done it and shouldn't have done it, or somebody has lived through an experience that you're living through that you feel like you're all alone. Um, there's no, no accident that God put us all here together for each other. And uh, that, that's really, I think, our, our support structures along with our, our expectation, but then the fact that we're not afraid to, um, to tell each other where we jack it up. We're not afraid to love each other, and we're not afraid to hug each other. We're not afraid to cry with each other. We're not afraid to fuss at each other. Um, truly living life, um, you know, in a community, you know, and it's a Christian-based community just because of the principles the program's been built upon. Yeah, I'm always amazed at teachers when they come to me and they're like, can you believe so-and-so did this? I'm like, yes, I can believe so-and-so did this. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, but that's what we're here for. These, ki these kids are fools as I was a fool. And, and we are here and God has put us here to help lead and guide them in the right direction. And, and like, I just think it's funny, like at my school, because they, they, they want everybody to be these cookie cutter kids. They want to just kick them out of school. And I'm like, what is our purpose if we're just going to kick, just cast people away? Like, and, and, uh, but that's, that's what we do. I mean, that's what a football coach does, especially a high school football coach. We mold and shape. And I always think about the analogy in the Bible, we're lumps of clay, right? And, and, exactly. and, and we're shaping them and then we're molding them and, and it's a hard process and it's a, you know, and it's, it's, it's a long process, but let me, let me ask you this. Cause uh, we're moving on into our last 10 minutes. Um, you know, there's a lot of young, uh, young coaches that listen to this and you said you made a lot of mistakes there when you were at Carolina, you know, so, you know, you wanted to go be a head coach, took that job at Carolina. What, what are one to two to three things that you could go ahead and tell that, that young man that's going to take the Carol, uh, another, a, a similar type job? What are, what are some, what's your advice to him? Well, yeah. And I'm going to touch on something you just said there too, about, um, you know, not getting rid of kids. Uh, when I was at Broome, DJ Moore, DJ played, went on to Vanderbilt, went to play for Chicago bears. He played, um, played for us. And I was even his back coach. And DJ used to get under my skin. Like, I loved him. He was, he was probably my favorite player, but he would wear me out. And then one day he he did something. I don't remember what it was. And I kind of lost my mind. And I hollered at him across the field. And, and I hollered at the head coach, which I wouldn't uh, advise anybody to do, and asked, why do you keep him on the team? And, uh, and whatever else. Well, um, he just looked at me, Coach Owens. It was Coach Owens at the time. And he said, just see me after practice. And he was very calm when he spoke to me in his office, and I'll never forget uh, that conversation. And it has uh, 
been one that, that always comes up when I deal with, with children that I don't have an answer for is first thing he said, never holler at me across the field again. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> and, the, and the second thing was, he said, fortunately, God doesn't work this way, but let's act like he does. Let's say tomorrow is the day that he had predestined for you to reach DJ, but I kick him off today. And I didn't have an answer. Like I just sat there and looked at him and was like, man. So that's been kind of the mantra I live by with uh, with kids that I can't reach. Is It may not be me that's going to reach them. It may be one of my assistant coaches or maybe another player. But if we remove tomorrow from the equation, then that opportunity to be around those people doesn't happen. So we, we try to keep the kids with us. You know, unless it's just one of those situations where they don't give us an opportunity. Um, but to answer the other question is, is you can know all the football world you want to, but if if you're not leading, truly leading and loving people, it doesn't matter. Um, I tried to be a coach and try to show what I know and, and try to show, you know, what I had learned and how we're going to do this and that or what I finally figured out, like Carolina. Um, it was a pretty much all minority school and all poverty based school when I got there. There was a year that I that I didn't have a white kid on the team and you know, being a white coach, um it was cool, really um fun, but, but what I found with that group and it's really more of a socioeconomic thing is people that don't have anything, they don't trust anybody. And um you know, what I learned is they had to trust me. They had to really trust the fact that my intentions were actually for them to become better men, you know, and actually to have a, a different life in the future. Once that happened, once they believed that they mattered, not winning games mattered, then everything else started to fall in place. And and that's – so when you go in anywhere new, uh, you know, obviously you've got to, uh, you know, have your vision and your purpose and your plan, But but if you can't, love people and get people to buy in with you and, and, you know, walk down those long roads with you, it's not going to matter. So I think that's first and foremost. And I think the second thing is don't waste anybody's time. Don't meet for the sake of meeting. Don't, uh, you know, just waste time, you know, make sure that whatever you're doing, try to be, uh, you know, have a high work capacity, you know, get as much as you can get done, be, be smart, work, work smarter than, you know, than just long, um, use the resources, use the technology, use the things that you have. Because I believe fresh minds, hearts, and bodies are way better than tired ones. Right. Say that again. Fresh. I'm taking notes as you write, man. Fresh <laughs> minds fresh minds, and fresh hearts are what? I said, I don't know. I think I just said fresh minds, hearts, and bodies are, are, are way more productive than tired ones. Oh, yeah, man. Um, now, um, let me finish writing this down. Um, I can tell you this too, just to add to that question right quick, is also don't be afraid to make your program bigger than you think the place can handle. Because seven years ago, we went and visited Vanderbilt, and they had a freshman quarterback that had just enrolled in January. And I watched him, and, and uh, I said, you know, if he can do this in February, he could have done it in August. And at that point in time, we truly tried to turn our program into a collegiate program as much as the infrastructure could handle. And right. that's made a big difference, too. Like, our practices mirror college practices. Our schematics mirror college. That took a while to get the coaches I needed or train the coaches that I had. Um, but but never be afraid to try to do, you know, great things. So, speak, speaking of that, I think one mistake young coaches make, and, and, and I made it, is we, we want we – want, we desire – the world to think that we're smart. So we think, like you just said, the schematics and, you know, man, I can draw up all these plays and my play call sheet, 16 pages. It's mine's not anymore, but my play call sheet, 16 pages long. You know, I got every defensive call in the world. Speak to that a little bit. Cause you, you did say, keep it simple earlier. Speak to that a little bit for that, for that coach out there, that young coach out there. Yeah, and then one thing that we talk about, too, when we talk about college professional coaches, that's all what they do. You know, I teach math and got to go to the weight room, this or that. They've thought through all the issues that we've thought through. You know, when you get into to coaches, I often say, well, what about this? What about that? Can we simplify it this way? Well, if you're studying a Saban or Sweeney or some of those guys, they've already thought through all that. That's what they do. Um, 
what we then have to decide is what can we use and what do we want to use. Um, and I, I think you for sure steal and take and borrow from those guys who are the best at what they do, but you can't do all of it. You've got to decide what fits us, what fits our our you know, who we are, how we try to play the game, and our players, and then weed it out. You know, the longer we go, the actually less we meet during a year because we figure out – we try to take January through August and figure out what our players can and can't do. So we've kind of established our – who we are by then. And then as we continue to play the season, then we – things that we're not good at, we just throw away. So by the time we get to the playoffs, our meetings – really sometimes are actually shorter than they are earlier in the year because we know who we are, you know, so it's now just the meeting becomes knowing who you are and then figuring out how to match up ourselves to that. So I, th I think people sometimes over give some of these guys too much credit. You know, I broke down a Clemson Alabama game two years ago and, and Clemson played some version of quarter of cover three, like 75% of the time. It's just wow. cover three. Yeah. You know, they don't overly, it ain't overly complicated. Um, right. We can make it overly complicated, but, um, you know, I think that's the big thing there. If if you're not good at it, um, then you haven't done it enough. You know, we tell our kids all the time, I know you're tired of doing the same thing over and over. However, you know, the difference between good and great is, is tens of thousands of reps, which means you're doing the same thing over and over and over. So what we're doing is what we need to be doing to be good at what we need to do. Right. Uh, if, you, if you can't replicate it, then you need to you need to either change or throw it out or spend more time on it. Right. Um, all right. So last two questions for you uh, as we finish up. Um, you know, I know a lot about Georgia high school football. And of course, I played high school football in South Carolina, but I've been obviously hadn't been there since 1997. Um, what's one thing that makes South Carolina high school football great? There are handfuls across the state of pockets of unbelievable coaches. Um, there's a lot of – and I think just in general, you know, the whole game is trickling down. You know, and actually the college level is trickling down, and, and right now it's trickling up into the NFL too. But but you're seeing a lot of, of college-based, and, and when I say college-based, just – guys who have really studied the, the game, whether it be practice style, schematic style, weightlifting style, um, nutrition, the whole nine yards is really trickling down. And there's lots of pockets in South Carolina, you know, Rock Hill area, Spartanburg area, Anderson area, the Columbia area now, um, you know, down around the coast where you have really handfuls of teams, not just one or two. I mean, you'll, you'll have five to 10 teams that are, unbelievably well coached the expectations in the classroom are great um, and they're competing with each other week in week out and i think that's just you know that kind of iron sharpening iron effect of, of playing another great team um, so you see a lot of that happening in south carolina right now so what is one thing where south carolina high school football needs to get better um our management, to be honest with you, not throw anybody under the bus. I, I don't think we do a great job or haven't figured out exactly how to have the right voices in the right room protecting the game. I mean, sometimes the the decisions about the game are coming from people that are, are not involved with the game or just following the lead of somebody else for, for no other reason. Um, and we've got to figure out how to fight for the game, the safety of the game, the integrity of the game. Um, but do it in a professional manner. Uh, you know, you, you don't want to get, we tell our, our kids too, you don't want to give anybody anything bad to say about you. You know, if they don't like Chapman, it's hopefully just because we, we beat them and no other reason. Um, and I don't know that we do a great job as an association right now of, of being able to leave uh, conversations uh, for whatever reason, whether we just feel like we're, we're being – misinformed or misled or, or misguided or whatever. I think sometimes our emotions get the best of us and we, we're not exactly giving and taking as we need to, to make sure that we're getting all we can for the kids. But at the same time, uh, you know, keeping up again with the safety, integrity and all those things I mentioned before. Yeah. Well, I asked the question because, you know, you know, talking to George high school football coaches every day and some of the older, wiser coaches uh, talk about, 
the, the you have the Georgia. I don't even know what it is. It's the GACA, but now it's it's separate from the Georgia High School Football Association, which is the governing body that makes all the rules. But now they're trying to in Georgia, the same issues that you're talking about right there. They're trying to have a coalition of high school coaches that can help influence the game more. Um, and so they're really working hard. Um, you know, it's just having a specific high school football organization that meets once or twice a year. We talk about these issues together and then raise awareness or, or, or send, send on up the chain to Georgia high school football. And, and, and something that was interesting that, that um, one of the coaches had said yesterday, Tim McFarland, he's a legend coach over here. Um, he's at Blessed Trinity now, but a coach public school at Walton High School for a long time. No, Roswell High School for a long time. But he, he said, you know, back, back 20 years ago, athletic directors were football coaches because athletic directors are the ones that help, that make the decisions with, with your governing body. He said it's not, exactly. that, it's, it's not the case anymore. More and more yep. athletic directors, they don't, they don't have any idea about the game of football. So, that, so that's where your disconnect is, which I didn't even realize until he said that. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's probably really larger than that. I mean, if you think back, I think back to when I grew up, you know, when you were here too, most of the, the, the stud league teams at that time, the superintendent, the principal, the athletic director were all former football coaches, you know, and, and that, that's really changing. And so you, you're exactly right. You, you're constantly having to teach people. And if you don't present it well or if you don't have enough time or if they're not interested, then – then you run into these kind of roadblocks that we deal with at times. There's no doubt. Well, um, well, shoot, man, that's, that's all the time that we have. Um, I always end with a prayer. Um, if you don't mind, I know you don't. Um, no, absolutely. <laughs> all right, let's pray. Lord, we come before you today. I just want to praise and thank you for loving us, Lord. And uh, most importantly, Lord, we praise and thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins so that, uh, we may have eternal life, Lord, and that we may die to our sinful flesh and live a life uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Um, and Lord, we just pray uh, that you would continue to mold and shape us. Pray for, um, you know, uh, the boys there at Chapman and, um, and Coach, that you would just be with them and lead them and guide them. Uh, give, give the coaching staff strength to, um, to, to stand for Christ and, and to present Christ in their everyday actions. And uh, Lord, pray for those players there and the parents and the fans who they have influence over. Um, Lord, just pray that uh, Mark and his staff would uh, be a light in that community, Lord, and a, a light in the state of South Carolina, and even now Georgia, Lord, because all the Georgia people get to hear him, Lord. Just praise and thank you for him and his ministry and all that you're doing in his life and the example that he sets and the encouragement that he gives me and a lot of other coaches out there. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Amen. Thank you, brother. Right, I appreciate what you do, man. It's it's awesome. It's well, uh, very encouraging, and it's always timely when I hear from you. Yeah, man. I just I wish I could do it more, but um, just same thing you're doing, man. I'm just trying to, you know. There's so many. I mean, you're getting this age. We're same age, and so you're 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 coaching a lot of kids. I mean, a lot of kids you coached are now getting into coaching, and mm -hmm. um, or they're becoming adults, and, and because my husband dads and everything so i'm just trying to really i mean first and foremost reach those guys and then any any coach i develop a relationship with just be a source of encouragement and you're an encouragement for me as well <laughs> you know so trying to keep that connection and all that kind of stuff because it's so me easy too. to get off the tracks man it's easy well you said it in your prayer just you know being powered you know that's what it all boils down to i mean everything that, that we talked about Absolutely. I think it goes back to that. Empower the kids. We always tell our kids good teams can be coached, but great teams can coach themselves. You, know, you can't hear me in the state championship game. You've got to be able to own it and handle it. That's right. You know, but, but then the other thing, too, is, is just – and I never thought of it this way, like empowering God. And they look at it like, how do you empower God? Well, you have to allow him the opportunity to do great things. Like he's just sitting on go. He's waiting on you. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We read uh, in this mentoring stuff, if you hadn't done it, you need to look into it. The radical mentoring. Yeah. It's good. We, we meet once a month and we read a book a month. And we just read um, A Good and Beautiful Guide. That's a really good book if you haven't read it. Okay. Um, and then we just, the next book we just read was The Cure. And both of these were speaking 
about the fact that if you draw this in your mind where you know everybody puts the, the you're separated from Jesus and then you know God's on this side and you're on this side but Jesus is the one that connects you <laughs> that kind of illustration that people like to put well what what it was talking about is too often Christian teachers will go back and talk about we separate ourselves from God you know like God's here and, and because when we're not with him we have separated ourselves they say well that's false that once you know your new creation is no longer you but it's God who lives in you you're never separate from him you just are not empowering him you're not allowing him to work through you but you're never right. separate from him so right. that's what we're we've been hitting hard with our kids is, is if you looking at me at all anywhere like an image of God you've got that all wrong like he's perfect and I'm not right you know he you know I can I can hold keep a scorebook he doesn't and it's been good books man so I would, I would highly recommend that that program with the group of men and and those books as well. I'll definitely look into that for sure. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever breathe. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you, we live for you. Holy, there is no one like you, there is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and Every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you.
worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. 